like him and Carrie are dating, and then he's like, "Hey, anyways, I'm gonna be in Paris for like seven, eight months or something like that." Very casually, like right. he's talking to his his personal assistant or secretary. everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a little bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash basic. Today we'll be discussing the landmark sex comedy about four friends exploring their careers, sex, and love in New York City, all while remaining immaculately fashionable. Sex in the City gave us an unflinching and unapologetic look at four very different women's love and sex lives and sparked numerous questions and conversations with its provocative material. Sex in the City directly challenged the notion that having a main cast over the age of 30 wouldn't lead to success, and the writers directly challenged the way that we talk about sex. So how has Sex in the City aged almost 23 years after its debut? Stay tuned. everyone here is some critical information about sex and the city sex and the city is a comedy drama romantic drama and sex comedy created by darren star and based on the um the book the collection of essays sex and the city by candace bushnell the show was released from june 6 1998 through february 22nd 2004 on the hbo network for a total of six seasons and 94 episodes. It has uh, three spinoffs, Sex and the City, the movie, Sex and the City 2, the movie, and The Carrie Diaries, the TV series. The series stars Sarah Jessica Parker as Carrie Bradshaw, our primary protagonist, and a columnist for the fictional um, newspaper, The New York Star. It stars Kristen Davis as Charlotte York, later Charlotte York Goldenblatt. She is one of Carrie's best friends, initially an art dealer and later a housewife. Kim Cattrall as Samantha Jones. She is one of Carrie's best friends and a PR consultant and later manager. Cynthia Nixon as Miranda Hobbs. She is one of Carrie's best friends and she is a lawyer. Chris Noth as John James Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Big, Carrie's primary love interest and uh, eventual husband. David Eigenberg as Stephen Brady, a.k.a. Steve. He is Miranda's eventual husband and the father of her son. John Corbett as Aiden Shaw, one of Carrie's serious boyfriends and later fiancé. Kyle McLaughlin as Trey McDougal, Charlotte's first husband. Evan Handler as Harry Goldenblatt, 
uh, Charlotte's lawyer and eventually her second husband. Jason Lewis as Jerry Jared, a.k.a. Smith Jared. He is Samantha's only serious boyfriend who becomes a, later a live-in boyfriend. Bridget Moynihan as Natasha Naginski, Mr. Big's second wife. Willie Garson as Stanford Blatch, Carrie's gay best friend. Mario Cantone as Anthony Marantino, Charlotte's gay best friend. Lynn Cohen as Magda, Miranda's housekeeper. And last but not least, Mikhail Barishnikov as Alexander Petrovsky, Carrie's last boyfriend before her marriage. Um, just FYI for anyone wondering why I refer to the gay best friends as the gay best friends, it's because the show did almost nothing to expand on their personalities outside of their sexual orientation. Because sex in the city is hashtag problematic. Let's talk about it. <laughs> right. So this series is created Darren Starr. Uh, Darren Starr, who before this uh, show, like, came on the air was already like a titan within within and of him own self he was the person who did Beverly Hills 90210 he did Melrose Place so he had sort of like earned his bona fides as a person who knows how to make a hit then comes Sex in the City which will be his gigantic hit and then afterwards Younger and then afterwards Emily in Paris <laughs> so those are his like most recent works it's amazing how just following white women with money gets you a hit <laughs> I mean, listen, he knows he knows the formula. He knows <laughs> what to do. Looking at all of Darren Starr's work now, and then I guess think really particularly thinking about Sex in the City, like he makes sense to me now so much more <laughs> as a creator. Find some white women, make them rich and irritating, uh, and watch the money. Have them like fuck a lot of people and then like watch the money like just blow up. And Shout out to him. Good for him. I'm not mad at it. Listen, when you have a formula that works, don't deviate from the script. I'm not, listen, I'm not mad. I'm not mad that he, I'm not mad at all. Um, but yeah, and then the show eventually, the show premiered on, in like, I think 2000 or 1999? Uh, 1998. 1998. I, I knew it was just like somewhere like in that in the late 90s. Um, it and it premiered in the late 90s and it was a juggernaut from its its beginning. That first season was really huge. It was a really huge hit for the network. And then that second season was also really, really big. And it was like the highest rated comedy for like two years straight. And it won a bunch of awards. And um it really it didn't, I wouldn't say it solidified the careers of these actresses, but it definitely, like, is their, it's all four of theirs, like, calling card. Like, you, like, that's how you know these actresses. It's from this show, um, most right. likely. Right. I mean, Kim Cattrall had a huge career, but Sex and the City gave her a comeback. Same with Sarah Jessica Parker. And for Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon, this show more or less put them on, because I don't remember a single thing they did even before that. <laughs> Right. Um, Sorry, girls. Sorry about it. The pilot was interesting. I've never actually really hardcore watched the first season, so I finally did for the first time. Um, and this pilot is that it's it's actually really interesting because it's not what I was expecting. Like the pilot is actually really like um, moody, 
Mm-hmm. It's really moody and it's it's meditative and in a way that I did not expect at all. And there are like all these callbacks to sort of like these sort of iconic movies about New York. Uh, there's a lot of actually like I saw in it like Manhattan and Annie Hall. In fact, watching the first season, I was like, I don't like it's clear that this show was like always gonna be about white people (laughs) like or like white people's New York uh and nothing else because like they're referencing like Woody Allen like that's he's like the king of like white people's New York so I don't know what the why this was like like why this was like a people wanted to like beat Darren Star over the head with it (laughs) right and also like make a show about Manhattan that doesn't center white people challenge (laughs) Like you you can, like you you can, can, but nobody's ever done it, which is the problem. And you guys played yourselves to think that Darren Star was going to be that first person to do it. Yeah, I think yeah, that's and that's the thing. It's like this is the person who did Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place. You thought he was going to like give a fuck about anybody other than white people, like rich white people. Like Darren Star is a representation king. Listen, I don't mean to make fun of it, but no. And honestly, I'm glad he didn't because I don't think he has the range. And he knows what his lane is. He knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. And I respect that. We'll see. And then that's that's the next point I was going to make. So so then that's where, like, the trouble starts. Because once you get into season one, because once you get into some of the back halves of season one and then early season two, he's trying to... It's interesting. Like, he, he really is trying to reach... Like, he's trying to reach and say something deep and meditative about life and the scope of life. And then they're, they're like, he starts to talk about race. And I'm just like, oh, stop this. Like, right. it's like, bad. It's, it's just it's not gross. good. <laughs> and it's like, and it's so completely <laughs> not good. And it's bad. And it's just so clear that, like, he doesn't have the range. But, like, it is... Um, even in the pilot episode, which I, which I, like I said, it is, it's meditative. It's trying, it, it is really, I do think the pilot is really trying to think about like love and sex in like a deeper way, like in a, in a, in trying to bring something out of it that's universal or find some sort of universal truth. And it's clumsy and it's clumsy. It's very clumsy. I don't think it, because the fir- like the pilot episode is about like ghosting, which is which is funny, but like that's what it's basically about. Like that's the intro is that like we get this introduction of this woman, and she's dating this guy, and then he ghosts her, and she's totally like, "What happened?" And Carrie's like, "Oh, this is dating in Manhattan," and then the rest of the episode is like Carrie being like really meditative about what that like taking that idea of ghosting and trying to be meditative about it, but it's very clumsy. It's, I don't think it's, it's really landing on anything that feels really rooted in something like, um, whether that rooting rooted in some sort of truth, whether that's emotional or, or like just life. So basically it was all, it was problems from the beginning. Right. And I want to talk more about areas where the show fails or the show feels clunky. When I f- saw that first season over again and the other many faux pas that they make along the way, my initial reaction years and years ago 
because I never watched this show when it was on air. I watched it when it when it ended before the movie came out. Right. Um, and the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this writing is terrible. But looking back, I'm like, this writing is like low-key inspired because I feel like this is exactly what it would be like if wealthy white women tried to be woke. I mean, I guess it's one of those things that's unintentional, right? We talk right, about right. like creators. It's unintentional, that's what makes it so accurate. <laughs> uh, creators stumbling onto ideas that are unintentional, but uh, ultimately... Um, <laughs> kind of uh bullshit uh and i yeah I, I definitely think you could make a case for that yeah it's uh 12 episodes long now what's interesting about the first season is that darren star absolutely had had uh had um sarah jessica parker in mind for the lead for carrie he wanted her and she filmed the pilot and she didn't really like the pilot at all. In fact, she wanted out of her contract and couldn't get out. And that's why she ended up doing uh, the rest of the first season. She was sure that when this aired, it would ruin her career, what was left of her career at the time. Because she wasn't hadn't done anything of significance for many years. She's like, this show's going to ruin me. And then the show popped off because, let's be honest, we like basic white women with money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, this hits all the sweet spots of, like, what white women love. Like, this right, is it. Right. Like, this show is it. Like, Well, the show, um, like, was became so big. And even when that first season popped off, the entire cast will say over and over again that, like, they had no clue the show would become as big as it became. But when we come into that first season, we meet a very broad-eyed, bushy-tailed, um, you know... I think late twenties, Carrie, she's supposed to be, Carrie is supposed to be in her late twenties anyway. Um, who, despite having lived in New York all these years and having had all these relationships, is still an incredibly naive person when it comes to relationships and how relationships work and how men think. And she's just looking for love in the big city. Um, we meet the, we meet Charlotte who, who has a very 1950s outlook on relationships. Um, Miranda, who is a you know very independent person? She's only thinking about sex. She's not really thinking about long term relationships because her first love is her career. And of course, Samantha, who never ever wants to have anything serious with a man, and is basically just here for the vibes when it comes to, to men. Yeah, she's here for the fun. She's here for the vibes. She's here for the 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 experiences. The irony of Miranda getting married first. Um, but honestly, um, let's get into season one because season one is basically where we meet our protagonist. Honestly, wasn't a fan of the pilot. This is one of those rare shows for me where the pilot just misses the mark. The pilot sets us up for a very different show than what we got. And that's why the pilot is bad for me. Oh, I love the pilot. In fact, like I I remember I like watched the pilot thinking like I would have liked because the show gets, like, glossier the longer it goes on. It just gets, gloss like, very, very, very glossy. And I was like, oh, I would have preferred the, the show that the pilot set up. And right, <laughs> and that's my problem. The pilot gave us one show, and then we were delivered another. So you guys know how I am. I always judge the pilot based on how well it sets us up for the show we actually receive. The, pi the pilot here and the rest of the show just don't match. <laughs> like, sorry about it. You guys didn't think that one through. I mean, it matches, I think it, it's, I think the pilot matches the entirety of season one. I think when you get to season two, there's like a, and it, I think when you get to season two, it's a, it, it's a little more like 
it's a little more glossy. It's a little more like heightened reality. And then once you get to season three, it's completely just like a different show. It's, it's like the, I think it's the, the gloss, the heightened reality and the sort of like that, like that we're used to thinking about when we think about sex in the city. Right, right, right. I do think that was season one felt like a more adult show. It's interesting because I think that the following seasons felt more like an adult, an adult drama trying to be a YA dramedy. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, I, <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel that. That's a vibe. We also meet the f- the first, and I guess uh, the overarching uh, of Carrie's boyfriends, which will be uh, Mr. Big, only referred to as Mr. Mr. Big. And they meet. They end up going out because they're they just they keep running it. They're somehow they're in each other's circles. They just keep running mm-hmm. into each other. Um, in at pl- in places, uh, at parties and in clubs and stuff like in the city, and so they finally decide to go out with each other. And but like he's very like aloof. He's very aloof. He's very withholding, and he's very like manipulative from the beginning. Right. The one piece of credit that I will give Big is when he initially meets Carrie. He tells her, "I just got out of a marriage, and I'm not looking for anything serious." And instead of believing that, um, she decides, and you know, believing, like you said, his withholding, um, the fact that they basically just started dating because she was always there, how romantic. Instead of looking at all of those red flags, she decides to dive in anyway and make him the one. What redeeming feature does he have? Money. <laughs> That's right. It. I mean, oh. <laughs> She, I think, well, yes, that's real. If we're talking about like factually, yes, he, he's rich. That's really his redeeming quality. But the show is, and the writers are definitely trying to make you feel that like the mis- the mysteriousness of him and the fact that he is aloof and the fact that he's quote unquote difficult is like what motivates Carrie. And, and it's, and not only that's what motivates Carrie to want to be with him, but also that that type of behavior is, is very romantic, which is a right. problem. Sex in the city is problematic in a lot of ways, but where the Carrie character is concerned, it's problematic because it portrays um, pursuing someone who neglects or um, passively, actively rejects you, uh, specifically chasing a man, you know, trying to win someone's affections over the course of months or years as, like you said, not only normal, but romantic. It doesn't just paint an unrealistic view of what relationships should be. It points of it portrays a very toxic portrayal of what they should be. Like, this is like the anti-fairy tale, right? Like, if a fairy tale gives you an unrealistically high expectations, Sex in the City gives you unrealistically low expectations of what a relationship should be. Right, right. Like, you shouldn't have to chase a man that, that hard, sis. You just shouldn't. Right, that's not... And, and she... Yeah, and she subsequently just, you know, is, like, really taken by him and... She's like upset, not obsessed with him, but she definitely is 
like, I just want to be with you all the time, even though that's not the way. Right, right. Yeah, there is like an unhealthy infatuation. Obviously, she's not like stalking him. And clearly, it's not as if this relationship is in her head. He strings her along and leads her along just enough to keep on feeding her ridiculous hopes. But he knows, you know, if he should leave, she's going to cry about it and move on maybe physically. But as soon as he snaps her fingers, he'll be she'll be right back. Right, like, you're right. And he does a lot of things to, like, undercut her confidence in the relationship. Like, she, like, there's an episode where we literally have an intro of, like, they've been together for three months. And then where Carrie is narrating and she's like, we've been together for three months. We've been hanging out all the time. And then she walks into this restaurant and she sees him on a date with another woman. Right? Right. And it's like, and then when she's like, what are you doing? He, he, you know, he hits her with the, oh, well, we didn't say that we were exclusive. It's like, um, yes, but also, like, that's something that you would bring up, you know? Right. If you were and baby, we didn't say we someone. were not exclusive. <laughs> right. We didn't say we were not. Like, come on. He does a lot of things where, like, he... He, he feigns ignorance to try to make her make it seem like she is crazy. Like, Big employs a lot of gaslighting and negging in that relationship. Like, oh, why did you think so-and-so? You're, you're being ridiculous, gaslighting. Or, you know, um, why would you want such-and-such? Such? You're not there yet, negging. Um, but, Again, all of this is portrayed as romantic, which is so dangerous because men have done this to women for literally these things to women for centuries on an individual level. But to see them televised in such a way where the, the, the couple between which this dynamic is happening is our end game is really gross. Right. And I think that ultimately is what is the worst part about it is that this couple is end game. Um they are our they are who this show has decided are our romantic people that we're gonna hold up to for the entirety of the series. It's a bad choice to say the least, because when these things are happening, like, you know, where the audience, us, like, we're not dumb. Like we can see that it's it's fucked up. And like Carrie is hurt and in sort of and is traumatized when she gets out of it when she ultimately breaks up with him for these reasons that we're stating because Carrie does ultimately end it she's like I'm this is I'm not gonna do this this is dumb and um then when she gets into a new relationship with the next her next uh big boyfriend uh and it's completely opposite she you know she she is like somebody who I mean she 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 can't handle it because she doesn't really know what it feels like for someone to respect her and respect her time and like really give themselves to her. And she sort of trashes it that way. Right, right, right. Because at this point, Carrie's addicted to the drama and the toxicity and the dysfunction. She doesn't know how to have a healthy, stable, functional relationship anymore because she's already set in her mind that her dysfunction with big is goals. <laughs> right. It's goals. It's normal. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk more about other people on the show and their relationships. Cause I feel like all of Carrie's friends, um, you know, they have their faux pas here and there, but for the most part, 
since, you know, they have a lot more self-respect and self-worth than Carrie, usually have much, much better, much more satisfying relationships. So let's talk about some of the heroes on the show, because not all the men on the show are trash. Um, first season was kind of messed up. First season were mostly consumed by, like, the big and Carrie arc, and then the rest of it is just sort of uh, side stories and vignettes, and they all sort of get wrapped up within each episode, um, and that's the first season. So first season to me is, um, I actually really like first season. I'm going to give it like a good, I, I really like, I really like this show. I am sad that this, this, this I version, I guess, of Sex in the City doesn't continue. Like, cause it is moody. It's, um, the things that don't deal, it's moody. It's, I think it's really interesting. There are like, I think subtleties and I, and I guess now, cause we're in the age of like, over-articulated dialogue (laughs) in film and television, it's able to get to the heart of, like, these things in terms of how, like, men are manipulative without um, Carrie being like, you're manipulative. Because now, like, on a series, you'd have Carrie would make some horrible, awful monologue where she's like, where she says, you um, are emotionally manipulative and emotionally toxic and I don't feel as if and I think it's like my right and it would be horrible but like but um uh first season really captures those dynamics and how like they work um in order so you can recognize like the behavior and and I like it for that I do think that this first season is is pretty good yeah I do think that the first season is good as well um Yes, this relationship is really, really toxic. And I wish we had gone into season two with it possibly getting more toxic and then ending for good. Um, but that didn't happen, obviously. Nope. We did We did have some really great conversation starters in season two. I mean, excuse me, in season one, conversations about threesomes, um, Charlotte's vibrator addiction. <laughs> You know, there was like little cute little one-offs and it was fun and it was nice. But like I said, it went from, uh, you know, adult drama to uh, adult drama and um, and why a dramedy close by season two. And I think part of the reason it did that um, and, it, and, and, you know, thinking about something you said and how uh, Big's behavior is never directly uh, spoken of by either Carrie or the writers I almost feel like this was an attempt to undercut how toxic Big was by making the show as a whole lighter. That's um, that's definitely interesting. That's that's a vibe. Also, I notice when I think about it, by the time you get into, and I'll address this more about like season three. I also think there was like, in with regards to shifting away from like this the original moodiness of the scene of this series. By I think by season three, nine eleven happens, and yeah, there so. is like, and there is like this big overcorrection to, like you said, to push it into like this YA clothing type series, and I think part of that is is probably why that happens as well, because I think about it now, the show never mentions <laughs> like that at all. Right, it's like we're going to preserve the New York. Um, that we knew before the 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 attacks and 
Um, like you said, overcorrection. We're going to overcompensate for this tragedy by being overly lighthearted. And at some points, the show honestly feels gimmicky. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that older women can't be, can't have fun, but there's a sort of carefreeness, <laughs> I guess, that simply isn't possible when you reach a certain age because, you know, the what you know as a person, like the, what, the wisdom you've acquired over the years simply won't let you do some of the things that they do on that show. Right. And I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think of season one? You said it was good? I said it was good, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give season one a good as well. Um, but I stand by what I said about the pilot. Um, I would have messed with the pilot heavy if they had kept that same theme in all of our seasons. But clearly, it wasn't meant to be. And I feel, um, you know, I feel a little bit swindled. I feel a little bit bamboozled, but it is what it is. Um, let's jump into season two. Season two, the show was given eight more episodes, so they had 20 episodes to uh, talk about because the show was a certified hit by this point. Season two, um, like you, like we said, is when the show gets a little bit more lighthearted and, ah, yay. Um, um, and we do get a little bit more we get more of these vignettes, more of these like one-offs, but the show just does become more fun. Not necessarily funny. And I think that we're going for funny, but it does become like a little bit more fun if you can just take it for what it is and not expect too much. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I would say it's definitively season, season two. That's, um, also in season two, I think we have, we expand our other three women's roles much more. This is the season that we meet, like, Steve, which will be, like, Miranda's uh, a boyfriend, like, boyfriend eventual husband. We get more insight into Samantha and Samantha's life, and her work is like, a PR person. Uh, we we even see Charlotte going to work, which is crazy, because I know Charlotte is definitely, like, don't want to work hive. But, um, and all of that, and that's that's really great. Right. I think I definitely think if season two did one thing right, it was exactly that we got to see them as well. Obviously, they're supporting characters. We got to see them more as fully formed people and not just, um, you know, extras in the Carrie show. Right. And it's definitely yes. And that's and yes. And I agree that it makes for a much stronger series to make the other three women true blue leads like all co-leads versus yeah the Carrie show because the Carrie show would have gotten very annoying very quickly and let's be real she's the most boring of her friends um and I stand on that (laughs) she's the most boring of her friends she's the most boring and uninteresting of her friends and and this includes Charlotte the most the most man fixated of all of her friends um but let's talk about season two. So season two, um, you know, Carrie, it starts with Carrie meeting a new guy, and that's cute. But um, by season, by episode five, she's seeing big again. Yes, honey. <laughs> she, she loves, loves her some Mr. Wrong. She loves it. She loves the drama. She's addicted. Mm. Um, she's a no she's uh, she's addicted to what that dick did that's (laughs) like that's crazy um no but in all honesty this is what happens when you don't have a clean break so a lot of people especially women are like i want closure and you and you know why won't he give me closure but the truth is that a lot of men won't 
close the door on a woman that they mess with because they want to know that they can walk back through that door whenever. You have to close the door. And she never really does that with Big. (laughs) Right. Also, season two is the last we'll see of a certain character. So there's a character, like... This is also another thing I really liked about season one. Uh, Season one had, like, the four women, like, had other friends outside their circle. And occasionally these friends would, like, show up. And that was cool. So in season one, there's, like, a character named Skipper. (laughs) And Skipper uh, is sleeping with Miranda. And Skipper... You want I want to root for Skipper, but I ultimately can't root for Skipper because he's like nice guy, TM. Mm. Season two is like the last we'll see of Skipper because Miranda starts like sleeping with him again until until Steve. And it's interesting. They like Steve, but like Steve and Skipper are basically the same guy, character. It's just that they made like slight improvements to Steve. It's like and I wouldn't, and I would say none of those improvements are necessarily by the writers. I think the one thing that they did was that they probably just like, I think the only thing they did is just is that they got like a, a better actor. And it's, and it's crazy. It's crazy how something can like, as simple as like casting can make a character like go from insufferable to like extremely like, you're rooting for this person, like, hardcore. Right. I mean, I also don't think that Steve was, like, nice guy in the way that Skipper was. But, yeah, David Eigenberg is a great actor, and I think that he and Cynthia Nixon have really good chemistry. I wanted Steve from day one, and knowing this show, I was like, they're not going to let them be great. But lo and behold, they did. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, so look, yeah, let's talk about Steve and Miranda for a bit. So Steve and Miranda are like a a one night stand that like goes well. Right, right, right. So there's like two like big, great relationships on the show. And I think it's like Miranda and Steve and Charlotte and Harry. Um, Miranda and Steve's relationship is kind of great because I honestly feel like if any relationship on this show should be considered goals it should be hers and not Carrie's. Uh, Well, I think both her and Charlotte in different ways, depending on who you are and what you need. But the point is they were getting their needs met by, um, you know, devoted partners. Um, Basically, Steve was giving Miranda the attention that Carrie wanted from Big. Um, Right. He was making his feelings very clear, you know, making a declaration of, cause they, they started off as a one night stand. Like, I want to be in a relationship with you. I'm going to pursue you until you tell me to stop pursuing you. And I want to make something work with you. Cause you know, it's actually not hard to make your feelings clear. <laughs> um, so he does that. And, um, but the see this season ends with, um, her reuniting with Steve you know, they gotten together, broken up, and then she got back together with him again at the end of this season. And it honestly is the thing that made this season great for me because uh, Big became an even bigger douchebag this season. Like him and Carrie are dating, and then he's like, hey, anyways, I'm going to be in Paris for like seven, eight months or something like that. Very casually. Like right. he's talking to his, his personal assistant or secretary. 
really quick, but though, before we move on from Miranda and Steve, it's it's actually interesting because rewatching that like meeting of Miranda and Steve is kind of is really rough because she is mean to him. She is so mean. Like she's very nasty. Like and for no reason. And I was like, in another like, and this is where these sort of small details of things is like where this show doesn't quite age right. Because like if I was Steve's like homegirl, I would be like, you need to let that bitch go. Like, you need to let that ride. Cause that attitude is not it. Like in the slightest. Like, right. <laughs> like in the slightest. Like you first like you came and like you were super nice to her friends. And you got everybody drinks, and then she's gonna mock you like in front of them. You gotta let that ride. You gotta, I would be like, you gotta let that ride. Gotta let that go, Steve. Yeah, Miranda has always been kind of portrayed low key as the mean one, the critical one, but she went overboard with Steve. That was ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. It's, and it's, and I guess it's just interesting um, uh, because it's, it's just one of, it's, it continues to be one of the ways in that, um, like I said, the show's dated. But I think it's also interesting in terms of, like, this idea that, like, you're cynic- like if you're too cynical and jaded, like, that shit can really fuck you um, mm. <laughs> if you let it. Uh, granted, like, it works out for Miranda, but I would not roll the dice the way that Miranda rolled the dice. Because she's just, she's, she's mean. She's mean for no reason to him. Like, like very nasty. And... Uh, it was it was cool. It was really interesting. And I thought, like, that, what, like, for a show that, like, doesn't handle things really well in terms of, like, nuance, like, that part was, like, really well done. Um, another right. thing I want to talk Because usually about- shows punish mean women. Only mean men get rewarded. Right. And, like, and don't get me wrong, like she if the show had made the choice that like she loses that on Steve that would have been totally fine um and deserved but it does it is a different change of pace that like the mean girl like um is rewarded um but I don't know I guess I would I always feel like the mean girl the mean hot girl is always rewarded but maybe that's just me and in Miranda's defense, the show does actually a really good job of, like, softening her up around the edges, um, like, making her a more, a nicer person and a better partner to Steve as as the series evolves without completely losing her personality, which is hard to do. And they actually did a good job doing with that. Same. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Also, this, this season is the first time we'll see, like, the sort of, like, the ra- the, like the racist element of this show like rear its head. Um, there, there is this specific episode that do not ask me to name it, but it's it's essentially an episode. Oh, that's what it's actually. You know what the episode is. So season two, episode ten, called the cast system, mm. uh, will be the first time this show like tries to say things about real things, and it absolutely fails on each level. So originally yeah. the show was trying to think about, I think, class. And it should have just stuck to that, honestly. But like in New York City, you can't really talk about class without talking about race, right? Or anywhere. <laughs> or anywhere, really. You can't really talk about the, uh, that. Um, so 
the the show then decides to bring in Thai people into this for whatever reason. Uh, but the most and and essentially the show is a super like uh, I mean it's just offensive from beginning to to end. But um, the part that stands out to me the most is this story uh, in the episode with. Samantha sleeping with this white man who has like a live-in tie made. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so the whole thing is first of all, he says he picked her up in Bangkok, which, oh my God, <laughs> like the, the picked her up like a takeout order. The things all the sort of crazy, like when you think about Thailand and then Bangkok and then like sexual tourism and then like women, Thai women and like how it like, oh my God, like the mind feel, right? Mm. So then um, he's like, oh, and she's just in Zoom just like lives with me and she's like so amazing. And so then you have this Thai woman who Zoom is like when her boss, the white man, is not around. She's, like, very nasty and hostile to Samantha. Like, very, very nasty. And then um, it ends with it ends with, like, uh, Samantha being, like, she's mean to me, to this white man. And then this, and then he, like, comforts Soom and like you but the in the frame you see that like while she's like crying she's smile while she's crying and he's like hugging her and soothing her she looks at Samantha and she smiles um with the idea being the idea being that like she successfully rooted out this 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 white woman from her right yeah so the show, the problem with that episode, like you said, the history of and present of sexual tourism in Thailand, the way that I feel, the episode heavily implies that they're not just employee and employer and that they either have a relationship, had a relationship, or this this Thai woman has designs on him. Um, I think that the episode also falls really heavily into the Asian dragon lady trope. Yes, very much. Um, it's really gross. It's really disgusting. Um, putting someone who, who, you know, the backstory of how she came to be a part of this man's uh, life, household, employ- as an employee, what have you, is mired in racism, uh, uh, um, uh, classism, even in xenophobia, honestly, because there's, there's maids, there's people who do, who do domestic work right in Manhattan. Um, but you got someone from Asia probably to, to pay her pennies. Um, but that whole thing that, uh, she is the aggressor and the abuser Mm. in the situation is really disgusting. (laughs) Right. It's really disgusting. It's, uh, and, and that's when the, I think the, not, but like the, the standout time that you realize like that the show just doesn't have the fucking range. And this white man, like, Darren Starr just doesn't have the range. And in fact, um, that's why I said earlier, I think Sex in the City does want to think about things, obviously, because the episode, like, 
And the episode sort of, it doesn't have the room. It's not that smart. They're not that smart. And that's why now I really do admire Darren Starr for just doing stuff like Younger, doing stuff like Emily in Paris, because he knows where his lane is. He knows where it is. He's like, listen. White women's utopia, that's your calling. It's your calling. <laughs> just do just do you, sweetie. Don't involve, don't involve us. Don't involve the colors, please. Keep your uncolored shenanigans to yourself. Uh, but the season but the season ends with the like you said with the shocker at this at this party in the Hamptons where Carrie figures out uh something that rocks her world. What is it? Uh somebody's getting married. <sighs> I hated this. So like yeah, so they go to this party in the Hamptons. Samantha's trying to get revenge from this girl that like quit her PR firm. Like I said, they're in the, they're at this party in the Hamptons. It's nighttime and Carrie is walking back from the beach and she just sees <laughs> and she like didn't even and like you said he had gone to Paris. So she didn't she didn't even know he was back in New York. He hadn't even Remember that time her. he casually told her, I'm gonna be in Paris for seven months. Carrie just sees both of them at this party. And it's horrible because the girl that he's marrying is like, Oh, I've heard all about you, Carrie. Like, what? Um, because apparently Big is a great conversationalist when he actually cares. And he he done told this girl his whole life. Um, and the, what, the few weeks that they've known each other, a couple months that they've known each other. And here's the thing, and we don't talk about this enough. They talk about it briefly on the, on, uh, the episode where, um, Carrie kind of says her goodbyes. I put goodbyes in quotes because it's never goodbye with these two. But when she says her goodbyes to Big prior to him getting married, he is Hubble. And for those who don't understand the reference, she's making a reference to the movie The Way We Were, um, which stars Robert Redford as Hubble Gardner, um, who's the OG fuckboy. And Hubble has this relationship with this woman played by Barbara Streisand named Katie. And it's a full-blown relationship. Uh, They get married. uh, She gets pregnant with his child, all of this. But um, he is ashamed of her. He's that, and that's all it boils down to. He's attracted to her. He really uh, respects her as a person, but he's ashamed of her. I don't think that the fact that Natasha is this beautiful, tall, glamorous, graceful, elegant actress um, who is, you know, poised and conservative and all the things, and, you know, not loud and basically the anti-Carrie should go ignored. Because as much as she's put in her mind that Big is the ideal man and she's fighting to be with him, he's put in her mind, he's put in his mind that she is not the right woman for him and he fights against wanting to be with her. Exactly. I, that is nail, head, hit it. Um, And we see as much earlier in, uh, earlier in season one, there is, I think when Carrie tells Big that she loves him for the first time. It's after he's given her this diamond-encrusted swan purse that's ugly as shit, right? 
And so she we know takes, how she feels about ugly purses. We'll talk about that more when we talk about the movie. <laughs> um, she gives her this ugly diamond encrusted swan purse, and it's ugly as shit. And she doesn't get why he's given her this purse, but like he doesn't really get her things. So she says, you know, I love you to compensate for how much she hates it. And then later on, when they go to this party and with all of his peers all of his peers, his friends, the women who, by the way, are completely dressed differently, who are dressed more like Natasha, um, Mm -hmm. they're all carrying these ugly, they're all carrying the same ugly diamond-encrusted duck purse. All of them. They're carrying, they're all carrying this purse, uh, the wives in, in his peer group. So it's like he's trying to make her be something she's not. In, and it's interesting because I think you could even take this, um, him giving her the purse of like, I need you. It's almost like a mandate from him of like, I need you to be this person. I need you to be this other person. Mm-hmm. Do it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, first, before I go any further, it cannot be overstated how ugly this person was. <laughs> you guys are so ugly. Um, <laughs> It's the most ugly, expensive thing I've ever seen. But, um, you know, piggybacking on what you said about her, him trying to change her, Big shows a lot through his actions, his words, and mo- most importantly, his gifts where his head is at. Throughout the series, and I tried to actually clock this while watching the series, Big has never given Carrie a gift that wasn't for the intent of of changing or conforming her personality in some way or apologizing for something that he did. Right. Ever. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ever. Like, Ever. this is, and this is, like I said, this is big superpower. This is his redeeming quality. He has the money to, uh, to, um, to apologize whenever he fucks up. Like, some people substitute sex for emotional intimacy. He substitutes money. He throws money at problems. And unfortunately for her, Carrie is a woman that absolutely can be bought. Big will buy her something and she will forget how he tried her and how he played her. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he thinks like, like once he buys her something, like that's it. Right. <laughs> like, like, I like just I'm gave done. you an apology ring. Why are we still talking about this? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. And you know, so he, he, so the so the season ends with Carrie was invited to the engage to Big's engagement party and she decides not to go, um, and she but he sees her anyway, outside like near to where they are and sh- she does she's like I guess I'm too much for you Hubble, she does do like the line from the movie and then that's that's where we end the season so season two good better basic. Not counting the other seasons, season two was actually very good because it gave something that should have been the final closure scene between Carrie and Big. Never. (laughs) Why could we move on from there? Because y'all don't want to let her be great. (laughs) Season two is actually very good. Season two is the last season that I'll be able to say... um, you know, it's like it had problems like season one did, but I think the problems become larger and going forward because the writers are just as attached to this toxic relationship as the Carrie character herself. 
Yeah, I agree. I would say season two is... Uh, yeah, I'm going to also go with, like, season two is is good. Um, beyond, like I said, the, raci- the racial, like, stuff. When the show does not try to reach beyond what it actually knows how to do, I think it's very good. It's It's tight. I think these even though I think these ideas that that it, I think it's trying to be meditative about, like, it's still sort of clumsy in that way, but it is solid. Um, and yeah, yeah I agree. So, so I'm going to give that. So I guess I'll give it a good minus. It's it's a good minus for me. Agree. I think I would have given it a good plus or even a great if they hadn't, if they had taken out that cast system episode. I'm going to be very honest with you. That episode left a very bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Oh my god, that episode is so terrible. Season three now, also 20 episodes. This is the episode where I realized the writers of the show had a very unhealthy relationship with Big, not just Carrie. Because we don't even make it three episodes without this dude showing up. Right, because we we start the episode with the episode... Um, begins with like they're going to Staten Island. The, this is the season premiere, and we we get like a guest star from John Slattery, who, uh, aka Roger from Mad Men, playing the same part he always plays. <laughs> Honestly, wealthy white man is his niche. Let him get his bag. <laughs> exactly, uh, wealthy white man, politician, um, and he dates Carrie, and. And listen, if you're going to do Silver Fox, he's a good one. He is a good one if you're going to do Silver Fox. Um, Steve and Miranda have, like, gotten back together, kind of, sort of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Charlotte is, you know, still on the hunt for her rich-ass white husband. She's really trying to make that happen for herself. Sweet girl. Right, right. Um, She's always got stars in her eyes. But I think that's one of the things I love about Charlotte. She's just so inspiringly hopeful. (laughs) Um, But um, let's talk about Hope Gone Wrong, a.k.a. Carrie and Big. There's a time when you need to let go of a situation or the idea of a situation. And it's probably around the time that he gets engaged to another woman. But she runs into Big and his wife, Natasha. Now, mind you, I thought it was incredibly messed up that he would even invite her to his engagement party. Um, I thought it was disrespectful. I don't think anybody should be inviting their exes to their engagement parties, particularly the ex that you screwed over time and time again. But maybe that's just a me thing. But he doesn't seek her out. He still knows where he lives, where she lives. He knows her phone number. He waits until they bump into each other in public, and Carrie's looking like a hot pocket to talk about how much he misses her. Right. Bye. And this is like after. This is after she's met Aiden, because Aiden comes in in the first, like at episode ten. Um, and this is, and it's post that, and it's like, it's like he knows, he, he can feel when she's, she's become happy, or like, she's on the verge of happiness, and he just comes to like, mess it all up. Right, so he comes back episode eight, excuse me, because she starts dating episode, uh, Aiden pretty early, right? Uh, she starts dating Aiden, I believe, episode five. And not three episodes go by. She runs into Big, episode eight. 
And he's like, I miss you. I can't stop thinking about you. I love you, girl. And I already knew Carrie was on the verge of sabotaging things with Aiden because when they start dating, Aiden has a problem with her being a smoker, which is not a bad thing to have a problem with, you know, a self-destructive habit. But, you know, she's not about bettering herself in any real way. So she's like, boo, Aiden won't let me smoke. And then Big comes looking all wealthy. And she falls back into her old patterns. Carrie becomes the mistress when Big tells her that he's leaving his wife. He says he's leaving his wife. He has the financial resources to leave his wife. But he continues not leaving his wife and just fucking Carrie in their apartment. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's unfortunate. <laughs> like... And it's really, like, it's a like big... at the very least, when you say I'm going to leave my wife, I'm going to assume that you, you're moving out at least. Right. Right. It really, you know, it's a hardcore cringe moment for like to watch, particularly from this Carrie character. Cause like you said, she meets Aiden pretty early on and they date and not only are they dating, but like I said earlier, she, it's a, it's a, the, op, the relationship is completely opposite from big like Aiden's very open he's very he said he means what he says he says what he means he doesn't like you know if he says he's gonna call he's gonna then he calls if he says he's gonna be somewhere then he's gonna be somewhere all the sort of like mind trick mind fuck things that big would do um like there's a there's a there's a story where like Carrie talks to Big, like, earlier in this, earlier on in season one and season two, either season one or season two, and Carrie's like, you never sleep at my place. Like, you never, and, like, when I go to your place, I have to, like, I feel like I'm getting kicked out. Like, and that's not a thing with Aiden. Aiden's always at her place. You know, he brings his dog. He he very much works to integrate her to his life. In fact, before big sort of re-enters the picture there's a whole episode where carrie is like just self-sabotaging she's like why are you always so available why are you so like emotionally available (laughs) like accusing aiden of something he's like i can be less available i was just you know making a place for you in my life and it's like (laughs) she's really had this number (laughs) Uh, girl imagine trying to cuss a man out because he's too there for you Mm. (laughs) so when she starts so when she starts sleeping with big it is just like so sad it's so sad it's so unfortunate it's ugly it's really self-destructive behavior on camera like i can't think of a better way to put this because you have something good and you have something that's good for you and going well for you with someone who where they who cares for you, who's attracted to you, who's honest with you and dependable, um, the, all the things you said you want, um, and you are playing him and yourself to be with someone who's hasn't given you those things and has never even attempted to give you those things. You know, like I, I said earlier about big throwing money at the problem, he does it because it's easier. And the fact of the matter is, Um, my issue, my greatest issue with Carrie is that she says she wants all these things, but the truth is she wants big who will never be those things. She doesn't accept them or even respect them from other people. 
Um, she is not just obsessed with Big, but obsessed with him changing who he is to be with her, um, which, you know, doesn't really ever happen. And that's how I feel. So I don't feel bad during this affair. Um, it's almost like seeing someone who got sober fall off the wagon again. Mm, it is like I, I definitely think that because it's painful. It's really painful to watch. Um, it's painful to watch her to cheat on Aiden because she's it's just such a good thing for her. <laughs> like it's and he's so good for her and to watch her destroy it is is unfortunate. Um, season three is also the season where I think the show will make the most uh, missteps in terms of like just transphobia, biphobia, que- just general queerphobia, general racism. Um, this is also the horrible. I because I think by now the because I know at the time of airing the show like by now like the there have been like criticisms about like the whiteness of the show of the sort of um of the whiteness of the show of like the 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 lack of queer people or like the the sidelining i guess is more appropriate to say of queer people on the show and it's re- it's reached a fever pitch at time of airing so uh, the episode is uh episode five no if ands or buts and the main story of uh, no if ands or buts are is this um story with uh samantha dating this black guy uh and it's horrible it's horrible everything about it is terrible everything about it is offensive and racist and it's shitty and um and then uh and then it's after that, uh, Are We Sluts, which uh, there's a part of that story that is about Samantha harassing these Black trans sex workers. Like, that is the main story. She is harassing these, like, these sex workers who are literally just trying to make their living and go uh, because she just doesn't want them around her building because she, a wealthy white woman, lives there. So, like, now you lowly trans black woman must go off somewhere else but you can't be around me because I'm white and then we have this also like really horrible episode called like boy girl boy girl which is just like it's just Carrie being biphobic for like 20 minutes (laughs) um (sighs) yeah and it's hard this season is bad this season, honestly, is I give it a bad for so many reasons. All of these faux pas, the queer phobia, uh, the racism. And I, at first, I didn't understand why they kept giving Samantha these racist storylines. But apparently, this was a move to uh, make her less likable um, to audiences because so many people, um, the viewing audience, preferred Samantha to Carrie. Oh yeah. So these mo- these moves were uh, a move to reinforce Sarah Jessica Parker as a lovable lead. Um, and apparently there was a lot of tension between Kim and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker as well um, on set because um, she was just a better liked character. But um, regardless of why it was done, it shouldn't have been done. It was really gross to look at. We're tired. 
We're so tired. And then, you know, when you throw in this this relationship between Carrie and Aiden and then Carrie and Big, um, you know, Carrie uh, being reduced to the mistress or reducing herself to the mistress, um, Big's wife getting really badly injured um, with her teeth when she finds out about their affair because he can't be bothered to move out. And we know he has some money for that. He can't be bothered to start with divorce proceedings. He can't even be bothered to pay for hotel rooms anymore and brings Carrie back to their home. Like so many things about this season, Mrs. The Mark. And of course, um, you know, aside from Carrie, uh, Charlotte gets married to the wrong man, to a- to Trey McDougal this season. And right. that was a mess. That was a whole mess. <laughs> oh. She knew that man was impotent and she went through with it anyway. <laughs> In true Charlotte fashion, she thought it was just something that they would be able to fix. Child. You can't fix something that he's not trying to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The communication issues were there, and they were the biggest red flag. But um, it's really, really interesting because um, this season, I feel, is Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda... um, Excuse me. Carrie, Charlotte, and Samantha at their very lowest from a personal level. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, definitely. Definitively. But what do you think of, of season three? Do you think it was good, bad, or basic? You know, it's just, it's so bad. It's just bad. There's just so many things. Like you said, I, it's too many things this season. It's too many, too many. Also, like, the jokes get more racist, just in general. Even if it's not like a very hashtag very special race episode, like there's like a weird joke about like AIDS that Charlotte's ma- that Charlotte makes, and I'm just like, it's and I, and I and all I could really think to myself is, is like it's crazy how different people get when they get money, like because you would think Darren Star being a gay man would be sensitive to something like that, but like no, he's just like kicking it, kicking. I'm like, I guess when you get money, things get different. So the so the season ends with like we said Charlotte's gotten married. Aiden and Carrie have broken up because she confesses what she did to Aiden in a moment of guilt and he rightfully breaks up with her. And I don't I guess everybody's trying to end things on a on a high note. So yeah, so the very last frame of I think to cap off what a shitty season this was is the 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 trans women, the trans sex workers, the black trans sex workers from earlier, Samantha invites them to this like rooftop party where I mean, shout out to the free food. So mm. I'm happy for them for that because I know that I take free food very seriously. <laughs> I Same. take free food and free free drinks real seriously. But like also the fact that the the show then um positions them to sort of like perform for these like white women who are like harassing them in a really nasty way is like ugly. It's really ugly. Yeah. And it's supposed I, to be like celebratory or something like, Oh my gosh, look at how we're all friends. Cause like I asked this white woman to twirl or something like it's, it's not it. All right. It's, it becomes really, really interesting how each of these type of very special episode episodes is increasingly more offensive than the last. Um, 
which is a which is hard to pull off but y'all did it you really somehow managed that season three is bad i'm sorry season three is just a bad season i don't mess with it i don't want to talk about it anymore (laughs) um uh just the fact that y'all reopened that door of Carrie and Big, when they said their goodbyes, she got her little closure and she walked off with her head held high and you reduced her back to this. That alone made the season bad. The Trake and uh, Charlotte relationship made the season bad. Then you add in all the racism and the queer phobia. It's you're in the negative. You're in the negative right now. <laughs> you're in the you're in the deep negative. Like the like the bye episode is really just so awkward. <laughs> like the episode where Carrie's dating this this bisexual guy, it's so awkward because he. I mean, the, literally all of it is just like, all of it is just her being like, "Are you sure? Like you're not gay? Like." Like, is it safe to fuck me? Like, is this... Like, it's just one offensive, horribly offensive question after the next. And shout out to... And, like, if I... Had it been me, it could never have been me. Like, and he just sort of takes it. Like, the bi guy just kind of, like, rolls with it. But after, like, the the next offensive question, I would have been like, you know what, sis? Like, you seem that, like, this is a problem for you. And, like, I respect that. So, like, this is good. Like we're good. Like you can go, you know what I mean? And can can we talk about this and just even labeling him as the bi guy and how that might not necessarily be the case because he goes through his list of exes and he'd only been with like five people. And one of them happened to be a man, right? Maybe he was going through a bi curious phase. Carrie, I've slept with a quarter of New York Bradshaw, you're not in a position to judge because I'm sure he's not the first bi guy or bi curious guy you've ever slept with. He's just the first one that said anything about it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, sis, be be thankful for the honesty. And if you feel uncomfortable, move on. It don't need to be all of this. Right. It don't need to be all of this. You don't need to waste his time like this. Like, it's not needed and not necessary. Like, it's it's a mess. Like, like I said, he named, like, five people. And Carrie had entertained more than five people by the time we got to season three. The show makes it very clear that as far as she, uh, Samantha, and... Oh, yeah, she, she, Samantha, and Miranda are concerned. They've had strings of boyfriends in one-night stands prior to even the opening season. Right, and the reasons why she, like, is, like, maybe he's just really gay, like are such, are so arbitrary. (laughs) Like, the reasons the episode gives are just, like, so weird. Like, it's like, like, they go out on an ice skating date, which, by the way, is super cute. Like, I would, we would be so lucky that men thought of, like, super cute dates. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, and... Well, Big would have taken her to the opera. Mm. (laughs) Like... (laughs) So they go on this date where they go ice skating, and then she's like, well, he took me ice skating, so, like, he's gay. I'm like, what? Like, how do, I don't even know how she connected those dots, but go off, sweetie. Go off, sweetie. Like, I, most people are just like, oh, that's fun, that's different, like, that's cool. <laughs> season four. Um, season four is basically when a lot of the shit that was, that was, um, a lot of the seeds that were sown in season three, all those bad seeds, it's harvest time. That's true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Charlotte's marriage is absolutely falling apart. 
Um, you know, Big has left Natasha at this point, but guess who hasn't come knocking on her door? Um, after she's left him that that last time, you would think that now that he's free to pursue her, he would do so since he was talking all that stuff about wanting to be with her, right? No. He he plays her to the left in typical big fashion. And, you know, so she continues dating. Uh, Charlotte's desperately trying to save this marriage. And I'll give Charlotte... One of the things I love about Charlotte is how much she tries. She gives so much energy, even when the person doesn't necessarily deserve it. And I feel like if Carrie had given a quarter of this energy to any of her other relationships, she could have had something real. Right. You know, yeah. And it's and it's a weird moment because Charlotte, like, they've, in the previous season, they've sort of broken down. But now, like, Charlotte and Trey are sort of, like, making their way back to each other. And it's it's a mess. That's, it's just a general mess. Yeah, it's 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 a mess. Um, it's bad. Charlotte's marriage keeps getting worse, but she's committed, which, you know, Carrie doesn't know what commitment is. I'm going to tell you that straight up. She doesn't know what commitment is. It's not even in her relationship with Big. She has no idea what that's supposed to look like. Um, but Charlotte's committed, and she's trying to make it work, and she shouldn't make it work, but she's trying. Carrie and Aiden uh, get back together um, because he's he's a good person, and he actually really cares about her. And when he realizes that she is free, she's no longer with Big, they decide to give it another shot. Steve gets diagnosed with testicular cancer and loses one of his testicles this season. And Miranda gets pregnant with their baby. So um, a, a lot of the season revolves around themes of starting a family, adoption, uh, pregnancy, and abortion. There's a lot of one-offs about those individual topics. Charlotte's having fertility problems. Carrie had an abortion when she was um, in her early 20s. Miranda has this baby that she's not sure that she really wants. So there's a lot of really great conversation starters in this season, which is the thing that I like about it. And I like that we, for the we we thought a lot. Uh, we saw a lot less of Big, and we I really thought that it was done and that he had checked out. But no such luck. Right, right. So you you covered a lot of like big plot points. So let's kind of get into some of them a bit more in depth because there are some that happen that there are a bunch that happen that are really interesting. So and how they played out. So one thing I one sort of story that I do want to call attention to that happens in the third episode is. And this is just an aside. We don't really have to get in depth about this. But there's like an episode called uh, Defining Moments. That's episode three. Where <laughs> Carrie quote unquote dates this guy with ADD. But it's not ADD. He's just on coke. <laughs> like. <laughs> right. The show like thinks it's portraying AD, ADD, ADHD. It's not. It's This is someone who's clearly doing a lot of cocaine. And I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I guess one of the big things that we can that I, I do want to get into another sort of like big faux pas of this series that does not age well is um, primarily the, the the relationship that happens in episode four. What sex got to do with it? Where Samantha starts dating a woman, 
Mm, yes, yes, yes. Uh, she dates this woman, Maria, who's uh, this, uh, you know, this um, Brazilian lesbian artist who is played by the internationally renowned Sonia Braga. If you guys don't know who she is, she's like a Brazilian actress. She started on telenovelas. She's the aunt of of the currently very, very popular Anna Braga, who I believe is uh, Alice Braga, who's on Queen of the South right now. Um, but like the fact that they got like this heavy hitter for this episode, I, I sat up, I paid attention. I'm like, maybe they will actually do right by uh, a person of color. Let's look, let's see. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, it's, cr- it's cringe, this story. And it's, and I, and I, it starts in this episode, but like it go, this is a, it's a, this is a storyline that, that continues for several episodes and it's it's like wow <laughs> it's a lot it's it's a lot like for a show that's helmed by a gay man like he does not like other queer people <laughs> right. at all I don't there's think. definitely a toxic uh propensity to other and exotify and mystify queerness to the straight gays which or gays, G-A-Z-E, to the straight viewing audience, that is really weird and really cringy. And it feels very self-tokenizing. Yeah, and, and that's that's essentially this relationship. I mean, it's from the beginning, uh, like, you know, Samantha's in this relationship. And, and, and Samantha herself is just like, I mean, it's not even a... The, re- the the story isn't even about the relationship as much as it's a it feels like it's a vehicle by the writers to just like be really misogynistic mm-hmm. um because you have samantha in this relationship and then she she'll make remarks of like oh i can't take this fucking woman like she's too fucking emotional like or um oh i just like we always have to talk about our fucking feelings like or and then or in the, or she'll say something like, "Oh, like I." She'll just—it's just—it's just misogyny. It's just like it's—it's it's unadulterated, nonstop, just misogynistic language about uh, the relationship itself and and the her partner, Maria. Mm-hmm. And then when Maria like rightfully acts, sort of like "fuck you." to mm-hmm. to Samantha she's branded once again once again another woman of color uh the third one now uh branded as like some sort of uh the show takes the position that she's just some sort of crazy spicy latina who's just you know out to harm this poor poor white woman right all of these episodes featuring like characters of color and Samantha always try to portray Samantha as the victim somehow, which is cringe. It's, it's when she, especially when she's always the aggressor. And then to to cap it off, now Samantha is someone who's always been portrayed as the man of the group. There is no leading man on Sex and the City, right? So she's like the man of the friend group because quote unquote she thinks like a man. Um, so the 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 episodes with. Maria lean heavily on the stereotype that lesbians are overly emotional. It really portray it really leans heavily on that stereotype that all lesbians want to do 
is be very, very emotionally close and talk about their feelings and cuddle up all the time. And obviously that's not Samantha's cup of tea. Samantha's reaction didn't bother me so much as um, the added layer of racism in how Maria was treated. I mean, I definitely, there's a, I mean, but I think even within that, I think it's weird to ascribe that the way Samantha is or thinks is inherently inherently masculine in some sense. Like, right. I think that within itself is misogynistic. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and then once you compile that with the language that she's using specifically within this relationship about Maria, it's racist. It's also misogynistic. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's like, and it's just, it's being really nasty towards lesbians for like no reason. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, and honestly, I don't even think that's an outlier when gay men create art because a lot of their work um, doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, shit all over the gay man, but has been put, you know, called out time and time again for their portrayal of of trans people, men and women, and lesbians, and using right. the, the rest of the community as the butt of their jokes. Um, it was just cringe. It was really, really cringe. Um, it's, it's cringe. Um uh. Whew, um, but let's see. Um, so next I want to talk about, I want, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, Aiden, Carrie and Aiden and this whole getting back together thing. So Aiden, so, uh, Steve opens up, um, a bar and Aiden is his silent partner. Uh, shout out to the exes becoming friends. <laughs> we love um, it. Uh, and Carrie is like so shook. And so she and Aiden, like like anybody who's been cheated on, has had a real glow up post post cheating. Mm-hmm. And you know, that sunlight like just hits different. You know, he got his he cut his hair, he lost 10 pounds. <laughs> He got a new suit. Like, you, he's unstoppable right now. Um, and Carrie sees him, and she's like, yes, like, I used to hit that. Like, that's me? She's like, it's still mine, right? Mm-mm-mm. No, Carrie, no. Uh, and so she tries to, she reaches out, and he's like, you cheated on me. You remember that, right? Right. <laughs> and she's like, I know, but, like, I want you back, though. And shout out to her, I guess, because she, because he rebuffs her at first, and then she, she does something really, I mean, really desperate, really like. And when it happens, it's so cringe. It's so cringe. She like in the middle of the night, she like goes to his place, and then she throws rocks at his windows, at his window, and she's like, "I still love you." And I'm like, "Girl, what are you doing? Stop." I can't believe that little knockoff of say anything really worked. <laughs> right, but it worked. Like, and it was crazy. But but I do want to talk about like how Aiden is a saint because so after they get back together, this this little one has the nerve. Oh my god, she has the nerve. So they get back together and Aiden gets this like house in the country, right? 
this gorgeous house in the country. It's so idyllic. It's so calm. It's so peaceful. It's everything Carrie isn't. And she's, and he's, you know, he's fixing it up. He, you know, he's fixing it up. They're, they're there for the weekend, you know, getting the, getting away from the city. And by this time, Big is dating a movie star. And this woman has the nerve to answer his phone calls at the cabin. Right. Remember earlier how I talked about how every time that man snaps his fingers, she comes running? It's sad, you guys. It's really sad. She don't love herself. Oh my gosh, like, and then not, and then when they can't, like, and the phone signal's bad, so she's like, come up to the cabin, and I'm just like, did you just invite him to that man's house? Right, did you just just invite him to that man's house? Did you just invite the nigga you cheated with to to the man who took you back's house? Let me say something, Aiden is, like, and this is why whoever the woman is that snatched up Aiden she really got a good one because do you know like the security that you have to have within yourself to be like, okay, that ex that you cheated on me with originally, apparently you're still friends with, still talking to them. They can come to my house in the country that I bought to I'll never be that to secure. You, to thank talk God. To you about whatever. Don't ask me because I'm not that secure. Call me insecure. I don't care. I don't I'll care. take it. I will never be that. It's, it's, that ain't that ain't gonna happen, sweetie. Your ex can't come to our house. She's not welcome. Um, it's not me. But like, who? It's not in me. Don't ask. Try Jesus. Don't try me. <laughs> <laughs> don't and the, ask. And the fact that she like has the nerve to even like be like, oh please, like to ask, like what? I was like, is it? Is it meth? Is it? Is it coke? Is it like what is it? Because I don't. I, mean, I think she was on audacity personally. I think because she definitely had some. She had that. She had the audacity. Um, but even after all of this, Aiden gives like a you know a a a a shoulder and an ear to Big, who's spilling his guts at that cabin, crying about his girlfriend while low key trying to cock block. Aiden still asks Carrie later on to marry him, and she accepts. And we already know before the yes even leaves her mouth, she's about to sabotage this. <laughs> right, right. So then, yeah, so yeah, he asks her to marry him. And not, and not only that, like, he moves in, and he helps. So, like, her building is going, like, co-op or something, and she has to buy the place or lose it, Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, Aiden is like, well, I have money that I've saved. And how about I'll help you buy your place so you can keep it. And then I'll buy the place next door and then we'll knock out the wall and we'll have a huge place and we'll live together. That's I mean, all, all of these sound like solutions to me. But Carrie likes problems, so <laughs> Carrie loves discuss. problems. She hates she hates happiness, and so he does this. He, you know, he's moved. He's practically moved in at this point. Like before he even offers this, he's there all the time. His stuff is there. Pete has a little bed there, and then uh, and then onto the she. You know, he asks her to marry him and. The, uh, and of course she says yes, but like 
the first thing she picks at to like sabotage this thing is like the ring. This is the first thing she does. She looks at the ring, which Miranda helped picked out by the way, pick out mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and she's like, oh, he didn't know that like I wouldn't want like a gold band. So therefore like he doesn't really know me like and we can't get married. If this isn't the most white womanist objection I've ever heard in my life. And I'm just like, oh. Baby, if he can afford that ring, he can afford a replacement. Let's not act like Aiden's a kind of unreasonable guy. If you told him, can I have a different ring? He'd say no. So that's right. the first part. Just tell him what you right. want. How about that? Instead of <laughs> demanding that your partner anticipate your needs, just tell them what you want. Right? What if you just spoke up and said what you wanted? Oh, oh. That's too, no, you're asking too much. You're asking too much, Alex. But <laughs> oh, this is, oh, this is horrible. So of it's course so she sabotages horrible. it. And Trey continues to sabotage his, mar- his marriage to Charlotte because um, when she finds out that she's having fertility issues and they consider adopting, like the star that breaks the camel's back is that his mother objects because they are adopting a baby from China. Now, anyone that knows me personally, um, knows that I feel very, very strongly against uh, transracial adoptions. But the reasons that Che's mother gave were not that were not anything to do with the welfare of the child, simply that she didn't want to be legally related to someone Chinese. Essentially. Right. Essentially. Um, so he's impotent, she's infertile, and his family's a snob. That wasn't going to last long. Um... <laughs> Um, that marriage is is a, is a, is a, is is trash. But at the end of the season, after Carrie ruins her engagement to Aiden, Big writes her a check to get her apartment back, and um, a bigger apartment than the one she had before she and Aiden had gotten back together. So she leaves the relationship with a bigger apartment, and Aiden leaves the relationship the relationship with a broken heart. Right. Yeah. That's that's it. And then and then um Miranda has the baby. And and yeah. Also, there is like a not to like shortchange Samantha. Samantha meets like a a hotel mogul this season called Richard Wright and um he gets our our girl down bad and that's that's always sad to see. Um Yeah, Samantha caught feelings this season and it didn't really work out that well. It didn't work out that well for her, and that that was hard. But um, so season four, good, bad, or basic. Season four was definitely better than season three, but that was such a low bar. Um, yeah, I'll give it a good minus. Um, I actually, I'm gonna give it a basic. It's not bad, but it's it's definitely basic on account of of Carrie um being addicted to pain. You know, I I give it a basic minus only for like I do think as much as the as frustrating as the Carrie character is I do think all these choices that she makes are um true to her character I just think oh yeah she's consistent that's for sure (laughs) she's it's consistent and I think that's what I look for is like not necessarily if I like the person or not but like is this character consistent and are they growing or like are these experiences changing them over a period of time? And um 
the answer is complicated. I don't know. I is she cons- is she a consistent character? Yes. She her actions do feel like a lot of women I know and I've seen make these really terrible decisions. So like she is there is a part of her that's truthful, but like is she change but like I guess but then the next part like is of is she growing? Is she learning from these experiences? How are they like changing the character and pushing the character forward? Mm. Yeah, it remains yeah. to be seen. And that's where I'm at with Carrie as well. Um, I do feel like her character is incredibly relatable, which is why the show was so popular. Um, that doesn't make the decisions she makes any less toxic. And like you said, consistent for days. If it's one thing our girl's gonna do, it's ruin her life um (laughs) um you can count on carrie to do that probably i think uh carrie um uh, out of of, on a show with very consistent characters she is definitely the most consistent because i can count on her to do some dumb shit where mr big is concerned other characters give me moments of levity and moments of surprise just moments they don't change and i never really feel surprised by anything carrie does (laughs) Right. I think, I do think, like, if there is any problem, there is, um, it is in that, like, she's not growing and she's not changing. And I don't, and I guess my thing is, is, like, I can't decipher whether that is on purpose. Like, it's in, like, the show, it's on purpose and the show is trying to say something about it. Or if, um, they're, they're, they're not or if it's just bad writing because everyone around her, the other three leads are changing. They are growing. Um, mm-hmm. Things are getting different. Uh, you know, Miranda, I think over the fir- over these first four seasons has some of the biggest character growth arcs we've seen from any Absolutely. of the four leads. She's so different now than she was previously. Um, with regards to Steve and the baby and dating other people and really realizing that these things that she initially maybe felt like she didn't want, um, she does want and they do add value to her life uh, that she she values. Um, Charlotte, once it also, also obviously, Charlotte really just sort of going really intensely for this thing and this family, this type of wasp life that she always knew was hers. She gets it and it's not what she thought turns out, what it she thought it was going to turn out to be. And then as we'll talk about when we talk in, in the next season, you know, her meeting uh, Harry and this completely other life that she never considered for herself she now can she's considering very strongly and you know uh but even with just everything with trey she's she's really growing and samantha as well this this richard right relationship is as bad as it is you know she learns from it but carrie no carrie just keeps doing the same thing over and over again yeah um And, you know, I do think it is bad writing, but I also think that um, it's like I said, it's a side effect of the the writers and the showrunners attachment to the Carrie and Big situation, because um, 
this is interesting because I, I just tweeted about this yesterday. You can't grow and heal in the same situation without making different choices. Carrie has the least growth because she makes the same choices over and over again. Right, right. Like, like it, it, nothing's going to move unless you move it. She keeps making the same decisions and thinks that this time things will turn out different. This time, Big will behave different. And like, who sold you that bill of goods, honey? Somebody lied to you. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's unfortunate, but I definitely think that it's also realistic that she shows no growth because that's the tr- truth with anyone. You're in the same situation or the same job or the same neighborhood or whatever, whatever that's the specific area of your life. You're not making any changes. You're not making any growth. Even Carrie's writing low key sucks on the show because after a while, all of her columns sound the same. It's like she's talking in circles because she hasn't made any real growth in her love life and she's supposed to be a relationship columnist. Right, right. All these things just compile together to to hurt the character. So, uh, you know, yeah. So it's a basic minus for me. Mm. Yeah, same. I'm going to give it the same score. It, it It's not as bad as season three and they would have to try really hard to make that happen. But it's not good. It's not good, guys. Um... But so there, I mean, there's a lot of small things we can point out that are good, right? Charlotte and Miranda's growth, you just touched on that. They definitely changed their perspective of what love, relationships, family, um, marriage should look like. And they become better people for it. Uh, Charlotte becomes a more open-minded person. Miranda becomes a kinder, more giving person. Um, Samantha, I feel... um, becomes uh, more um, more of the version that she was in season one, which was actually a good version for her um, because she learns why she avoids relationships. Relationships, especially with um, people who are dishonest, take a lot of energy out of her. And she she wants to devote that energy to her work. So everybody kind of gets reassesses or reevaluates or reprioritizes their life, except for Carrie. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. That's, that's definitely where we're at. Um, Things were good. And, and, I mean, I really feel like they could have... They, they they had a little something. They were working a little something out. But, alas, it really, it really failed to hit the right note for me. have it folks this is everything that we think made the first half of sex in the city so memorable if you'd like to check out the series sex in the city is currently streaming on hbo max if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share with your friends and if you're a member of our patreon be sure to check out our sex in the city playlist tune in tune in next week as we keep the strong female leads going with part two of our discussion on the infamous iconic sex in the city the Good, the Bad, the Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune in to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at the Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at 
goodbadbasicpod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes, as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.